0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel.
1: This evening's reading comes from Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and she will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is the ships of the merchant. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when, she sits, when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates." This is the word of the Lord.
0: Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that you have revealed yourself to us in it and in your son, the Lord Jesus. Help us now to fix our eyes on him as our model of wisdom and godliness, as our wisdom itself. We pray that you would do a great work in, in your people and now through us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Nathan. I'm so glad to be with all of you here today. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, we got a lot of new stuff happening. Uh, We are, not only is next Sunday the first week of a new membership class and a new core class, uh, and this week a prayer meeting on Thursday morning. I don't know if you saw that in the weekly email, but we're excited about this. Hopefully this can gain some momentum over the many coming years together. We're going to be meeting at the Christian Challenge Building, Baptist Student Union Building on campus, uh, and praying from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. People will be there from 6 to 8, drinking coffee and hanging out, but we're going to just devote ourselves to prayer from 6.30 to 8.30. So if you're available and free before work or before school or whatever else, uh, please join us there. But not only all these other new things, but next Sunday, uh, I'm just really pumped to begin the first week of the the really short but powerful letter of 1 John together. 1 John is all about who the people of God are and are to become once they have encountered the risen Lord Jesus. Uh, How the love of God forms our love for God and how the love of God compels our love for one another. So there's just so much packed in there. I can't wait for how God will uh, use his word in and through us. Begin reading that this week. Read 1 John. It's really short. You can read it a bunch of times in the next few months. Uh, But we're not there yet. Today we're going to wrap up a series through the Proverbs that we began way back in September. Uh, We took six weeks in those first few weeks, to set up the book in considering Solomon, the the son of David, trying to persuade his son to actually want wisdom, to desire it. That in seeking to become wise, in in growing out of foolishness, that Solomon's son would actually begin to move into a life of flourishing. He's basically telling him, you've got to know what you don't know, and you've got to want what you don't have. Then beginning in chapter 10, the book of Proverbs then is basically just the Proverbs as we think of them. Memorable, pithy one-liners that were meant to be added to a young man's toolbox of life, to be pulled out and used in the right situations. Royal wisdom for how to live and rule well under the fear of the Lord. And then after that, we took a smattering of Proverbs from chapters 10 through 30 and thought topically through things like decision-making and the will of God, work and vocation, the tongue and the power of our speech, the value and necessity of friendship, and then last week parenting and the family. And there is just so much more we could have done, even topically. We could have found more, te- more themes, more topics to have kept ourselves in this series of Proverbs for many more months, which means that you have the rest of your life to spend mining the depths of the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. I hope that you will take what we have thought together here now for the rest of your life as you return often and regularly to Proverbs. But today we're going to wrap up this book in chapter 31. Proverbs 31. This chapter, when you say Proverbs 31, that chapter itself, the number that goes with this book, is maybe the most famous. Chapter. That is, when you think of a book and a chapter number, this is maybe the most famous one that you might think of. There is no other chapter in the Bible that I could think of that gets used as an adjective, like Proverbs 31. Like thinking about a Proverbs 31 woman. If you're new to the Bible or Christian culture, Christians often will talk about. A Proverbs 31 woman, or if you're in like Christian camp culture, like a P31, that's what you're looking for. Uh, Proverbs 31 is often the gravitational center around what so called biblical womanhood and femininity revolves, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I searched on Amazon this week for Proverbs 31 woman, and I stopped counting after I got through 17 different books. Uh, I think there might be like over a hundred. Just there's so many of them. And if you want to go way back into Christian subculture, for some of you older millennials out there like me, uh, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the the Lord, she ain't playing. Yeah. Uh, That is the 90s Christian hip-hop trio, DC Talk, uh, and their song, That Kinda Girl. She is different from the ones before, different because she loves the Lord. She's that kind of girl. Now, Proverbs 31 generally gets read, gets used, gets applied as a very practical model for femininity, for a woman to aspire to become, and for an ideal, or for a man, an ideal woman to be on the lookout for She's that kind of girl. I hope she comes my way. That's what the whole point of of she's that kind of girl was about. Man, I'm I'm always on the lookout. I hope she comes my way. Now, we're going to approach this chapter under two headings tonight, and when I give you the outline titles, it's sure going to sound like we're going to approach Proverbs 31 like all of the practical pink books on Amazon do but we're going to dig just a little bit deeper than what I think is immediately on the surface. And I think by doing so, Proverbs 31 might just change all of our lives. So, two headings here that we're going to break this chapter into. First, a model for for women to become, and then a bride for all to pursue. A, A model for women to become, and then a bride for all to pursue. So first of all, To get our bearings for just a minute here in thinking about a model for women to become, it should come as no surprise to us that chapter 31 actually feels a bit different than the rest of the book. The subtitle of Proverbs 31 says that these are the words of King Lemuel, just as if you would look before chapter 31 and chapter 30, we have a subtitle there saying the words of Eger. Here's the thing. We don't have any idea who Lemuel or Eger are neither one of them. There is no king in Israel's history named Lemuel. What we do know is that in Proverbs 25 verse 1, we read this. These also, what follows in chapter 25 and on, these also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, those chapters are Proverbs of Solomon. These were likely well-known, like in the culture, Proverbs of Solomon that didn't get written down in a compilation of proverbs until the time of Hezekiah which is like 250 years later after Solomon so we know that at the very least this book in its final form was put together by some later editor maybe in the time of Hezekiah maybe even much later than him but either way we don't know who king Lemuel is maybe he's some outside king of Lem- of Israel he's a king outside of some smaller kingdom Maybe there's some clever wordplay going on with his name that we haven't quite figured out yet, and he's just supposed to be like this archetypal king for us to learn from. But whatever the case may be, let's not get bogged down there. In verses 2 through 9, Lemuel's mother, whoever he is and whoever she is, the, the mother of the king comes to him with wisdom. In the rest of the book, the father comes to the royal son, but here the mother comes to him. More on that later. But Lemuel's mother says that in verses 2 through 9 that to rule justly as a good king, he should avoid wine and strong drink because a drunk king will inevitably make terrible decisions that will not just affect him, but will affect his entire kingdom. Good and wise kings inevitably build up good and wise people of the kingdom, and bad and foolish kings inevitably build up bad and foolish people of the kingdom. But in response to her charge to Lemuel, in verse 3, not to give his strength to women, the implication there of plural women being that, that of like concubines or a royal harem or something, instead of giving his strength to women, now in verses 10 through 31, as what, what we generally and typically think of as Proverbs 31. Lemuel, my son, his mother comes to her. Don't give your strength away to many women, but my son, here, listen to me. Give yourself singularly, devotedly to one woman, to one wife, but not just any wife. Verse 10, an excellent wife. Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And the first letter of every verse that continues on throughout the rest of the book, is the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Proverbs 31 is an acrostic. So maybe if we were to write something similar uh, in English, we might say, A, always be on the lookout for an excellent wife. B, because she is, has such a virtuous heart. C, she is compassionate and caring, or something like this. This is exactly what is happening here as an acrostic throughout the rest of the book. The payoff of all this literarily is that Lemuel is to consider a singular wife who is like the totality, the completeness of a good wife. She is everything from A to Z. And so when Lemuel's mom asks, an excellent wife, who can find? The answer isn't, Well, no one. No one can. She doesn't exist. She's some unicorn out there. Because the next verse, the husband actually has married her. She does exist. She's just rare. Most women in the world are not excellent in this way. And this word excellent isn't really a great English translation. It often, more often, carries a meaning of strong or courageous, heroic, valiant, In fact, many Hebrew scholars like to place Proverbs 31 in the genre of like a heroic poem, recounting the exploits of some mighty warrior. So, one commentator concludes that the valorous wife is a heroic figure used by God to do good for his people, just as the ancient judges and kings did good for God's people by their martial or their military exploits. She is a champion for those around her by her diligent application of wisdom. This woman is, this wife that he that Lemuel is supposed to look for and devote himself to. This hero, this exemplary woman. But what makes her so exemplary? What makes her an example for others to emulate? I've broken down the rest of the chapter into four umbrella categories for this woman, this Proverbs 31 woman, that we ought to emulate as a model, and that is that four things: her honor, her diligence her wisdom, and her praise. Lemuel's mom is telling her royal son, this is the kind of woman that you should desire. She's that kind of girl. Her honor, her diligence, her wisdom, and her praise. Here are her characteristics. Her honor, verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. A husband of an excellent or valorous wife never has reason to distrust or distrust her or have reason to think that she might harm him. We live in a culture that so easily and readily and ongoingly disparages marriage, especially for the married. So men and women often share very publicly and openly about the old ball and chain, or about my such lazy husband. Here's what Marcy and I figured out throughout the years, that each of us probably have one, maybe two, Very close and trusted friends that we would ever share about like deep marital frustrations with. Meaning that she has one or two of you, uh, trusted friends, who she knows and trusts, knows me and loves us enough that they, when they hear something difficult about me, that they assume the best and care for both of us not just begin to assume the worst and go and gossip about me, the the awful husband or something. Marcy and I are committed to showing honor to each other, not using times out with the guys and the girls as a way to like unload or vent on all of the problems with each other as a spouse, not using prayer requests really as just a way to publicly complain about one another. Now that does not mean that we are trying to uphold some pretend version of each other that is publicly better than we actually are, but that we are committed to honorable speech about one another and to never gossip about one another, which remember what we we said about gossip, what gossip is, that gossip is saying something behind someone's back, what you would never say to their face. We are committed to not do that. We will talk about difficult things with others, but in such a way that I could talk to my friend about this in the same way that we would talk about this. So that's why I never have any reason for distrust of Marcy and why she is such a place of rest for me in our marriage. Marcy is an exemplary Proverbs 31 woman in this regard, and all of you younger gals should seek to want to become like her in that way. But not just because of Marcy and this woman's honor. The Proverbs, Proverbs 31 woman is exemplary in her diligence. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. The exemplary woman is a hard worker. Now, I realize the very tumultuous waters that I'm about to wade into, but despite what many Christians assume that all families must be a single-income family where the husband works and the wife keeps the house and raises the kids, the exemplary woman in Proverbs 31 is an industrious entrepreneur. She makes significant contributions to the well-being of the family. So what? Does Proverbs 31 actually teach that all women should work toward jobs outside the home that provide significant compensation? I don't think so. Verses 27 and 28 make it clear that she cares for the affairs of the household, and her children know her well enough to call her blessed. I don't think it's altogether clear what it is that the Bible prescribes for a so-called biblical womanhood. There are certainly places like Titus 2 where Paul encourages the older women of that church to disciple the younger women in many areas, one of which is working at home. But in ancient realities and economies of physical and manual skills and labor, rather than modern realities and often economies of ideas, it's not definitive that what Paul was describing in Titus 2, that what he was describing was reality for most women, Rather than prescribing reality for all women, he may have just, that's the way it was. So while they're working at home, help them understand what that means and looks like. And yet, wisdom also demands that we consider whether both Christian parents of small children should work full time jobs. Not only in thinking through the financial implications of perhaps working a job that then just essentially pay, pays for childcare. But then, in considering the Proverbs of last week and the significant role that parents play in the lives and the development of children, in the discipleship of children, should we pay to have someone else raise and disciple our children in the very formative early years? Moms and dads will have to think through these difficult questions carefully, prayerfully, with patience. Wisdom is required. But I do not think that there is some prescription for all wives, for all women, for all mothers, for all families. Wisdom is required. But whatever the work situation and income realities, whatever they they are for a household, you'll notice that I, and I think actually Proverbs 31, both I and the chapter are highlighting not necessarily the contribution of the wife, but the diligence of the wife. Not necessarily what she brings in, but what she does Whether she is busting it for a paycheck in the office or whether she is busting it at home for the good of the family, she did not just pursue marriage so that she no longer has to work. As we considered with work and vocation, all humans from the very beginning, from Genesis 1, were created to work, to cultivate order and beauty. And the Proverbs 31 woman does just that. She overwhelmingly contributes to a flourishing family, which by the way, I think could very obviously be said about single women too. I couldn't have imagined someone better to read this chapter earlier than Taylor Kidwell. Wherever she went, there she is. Taylor Kidwell is a model, Proverbs 31 woman. Amen, you do not have to be married to be well known For your diligence, to be well known for your honor, for your lack of gossip, for your contributions to the family. More on that in a minute. But then thirdly, if this exemplary woman is known for her honor and her diligence, third, she is also known for her wisdom. We see this throughout the chapter. Not only with a business acumen for good or bad deals, but verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. This just means that the people of her household have warm clothes when the snow comes. Her foresight and her preparation have not left people vulnerable when the unexpected comes. She is wise. She can see into the future and plan and prepare for it. In the same vein, verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. Meaning an unknown future does not call her, cause her anxiety or cause her worry. It's, it's no big deal. She can laugh about it. Because strength and dignity, which might as well be her clothes, she comfortably wears them so that everyone sees them. Make it where whatever happens tomorrow, it's okay. She won't be wrecked by changing circumstances because she is anchored to something stronger and more secure. And because of all of this, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. When she speaks, people listen. If we've learned anything through the through the proverbs is that wisdom isn't necessarily something that you are born with. In fact, it never is. Wisdom isn't being wise is not something that you either are or you aren't. Wisdom is cultivated. The exemplary woman has lived and has observed life she understands ways that lead to a flourishing life and she understands ways that lead to death she has not only chosen the way of wisdom and of life for herself but then she encourages others to follow her and to do the same she is wise and because of all this then she is finally known for her praise meaning the praise of her she is known for how people praise her Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her, saying, This, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Now, I forgot that verse 29 was part of Proverbs 31, but I was actually planning to say something similar. I've already commended my, I can't do it. I made eye contact with her. I've already commended my wife's honor, but Marcy is one of the most diligent people that I've ever met this was a bad idea. Uh, working as a vice principal of a school, doing financial analysis and bookkeeping for two companies, part-time homeschooling our kids, keeping an, imma- an immaculate house, and on and on and on. She absolutely works just as hard as I do, and in many seasons of life works harder than I do. But as I know that many of you have already know and have experienced some of you, some of all of us just regularly go to her for wisdom and advice, for sure with like business advice, but also with practical life and dating and marriage, family advice. There are so many times that we get home on a Sunday night and she gently asks, So um, is there maybe a better way for you to have maybe said this about that verse? That And I am often like, yes, that would have been way better. Like, her theological antennae are very sensitive and perceptive. So like this guy in Proverbs 31, 29. Uh, Look, I know that a lot of you gals out there are really great. And I love you all. And I'm so thankful for you. Uh, Many of you have done excellently. But Marcy, you surpassed them all. (laughs) man. And look, none of that is inappropriate for me to say publicly. Because verse 30 isn't just a DC Talk song. In fact, DC Talk cut off the point of the whole verse. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's not, she ain't playing. She is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So I'm just obeying the Bible here by publicly commending my incredible wife. And husbands, I'm speaking to myself here too, kids, her husband, her children, rise up and call her blessed. While you may not have a uh, pulpit like this to publicly praise your wife from, or to publicly praise your mom from, look, be on the lookout. Look for, take opportunities to encourage her, to praise her. Look for and take opportunities to encourage and praise the single women of our church for their godliness, for their diligence, for their honor. But here's where this sermon really turns. Is Proverbs 31 just a Moms call to her son to have extremely high standards for a future wife. Listen, Lemuel, don't settle. Is Proverbs 31 just a moralistic and actually very difficult call to women to work harder and to be better? No. Proverbs 31, I have become convinced, is actually all about the gospel. How? How? Well, if we considered a model for women to become, now let's turn our attention to a bride for all to pursue. All right, as you read Proverbs 31 this week, as you maybe heard it read from Taylor a few minutes ago, were there any other, are there any alarm bells or echoes that you might have heard from Proverbs 31 that we have heard elsewhere in the book of Proverbs? Anything sound familiar? Just in the very first verse of verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is more precious than jewels. This is almost just a straight up copy paste job from Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 13 through 15. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. The most ideal feminine character in the whole book of Proverbs is wisdom herself. Chapter 7, 8, and 9 is all about this lady wisdom. In our very first Proverbs sermon together from September, we set up the idea that the whole book of Proverbs is actually just one extended meditation on Genesis 1, 2, and 3. That in the beginning, Man was created to know and to dwell with God, and that God created woman as a helper for him. Not as in a kindergarten, my little helper kind of way, but as in a helper being the very same word that is often used of God, my help and my salvation. Man in the garden actually needs woman to accomplish what he cannot by himself. So man and woman are given the tree of eternal life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil tree that gives life from God or a tree of knowledge that they will take from themselves, for themselves that they must not eat from. The question becomes, will they fear the Lord? Will they trust him, continue, continually coming to him for wisdom from above? Or will they trust in themselves for wisdom that is worldly, that is fleshly? And so, starting in Proverbs 1, the royal father has his arm around his son, saying, here is Lady Wisdom personified for you as the good life. Choose wisdom. Choose the good life. She is your helper for what you cannot accomplish on your own, a life of fully consummated dwelling with God, a life fully free as it was intended for us to live. And then the very verse after which I just read a second ago from Proverbs 3 about her being more precious than jewels. Proverbs 3:18 even says of lady wisdom, "She is a tree of life to those who will take hold of her." So the book of Proverbs has always been about rejecting the tree of the world that promises only death. Grasping after fruit from the tree of our own wisdom and instead instead just walking hand in hand with lady wisdom. In the fear of the Lord, with eyes fully fixed, joyfully on our king, and walking to the tree of life, walking to the tree of God's wisdom. And so here in Proverbs 31, now hundreds of years after Solomon, perhaps reflecting on the great king, reflecting how it went so wrong for him, how he was singularly devoted to wisdom, it was the very thing that he asked of from God. And through the faithful wisdom of the royal son of David, the people of God were flourishing. The blessed life was exploding. Blessing was exploding out into the nations. But then it went all wrong. I read a bit of 1 Kings 11 several months ago, but listen to this again. This comes like an unexpected car crash when things had been going so well for Solomon and the kingdom. 1 Kings 11, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn your heart away after the gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. So here in Proverbs 31, The mother, this time, almost coming to the royal son like a royal Eve character, balancing the royal Adam from the beginning chapters. She comes to her royal son, urging him to be singularly devoted to wisdom, to be devoted in his affections. Verse three do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Do not do that like Solomon did. Solomon, the royal son of David, gave humanity just a glimpse. A brief momentary glimpse of one who would live by divine wisdom, who would then bless the nations. But then it went so bad, so fast. Humanity needed a greater son of David. Jesus of Nazareth shows up on the scene saying, something greater than Solomon is here. One that would singularly devote, and devotedly love his wife to death and back living by divine wisdom that would unleash blessing to the nations. And as we considered in Proverbs 8, Jesus is not only the royal son who is wise, Jesus is the pre-incarnate wisdom of God, which is exactly what Paul calls Jesus in Colossians 2 and in 1 Corinthians 1. So do you want to be a wise wife, a wise mother? Do you want to be a wise husband, a wise child, a wise church member? Proverbs is telling us to then know Jesus. Not know about him, but to know him daily and hourly. He is the one that will love you and will serve you with a gentle and lowly heart. He is the one who is certainly more precious than jewels. Who throughout the centuries stands at the gates and whose wisdom is praised. He is the totality of wisdom from a to Z, and so for, oh for grace, to just trust him more. Do you want to grow in honor and in diligence and in wisdom? We are not naturally honorable or diligent or wise, and yet dishonor, laziness, foolishness, then get taken in at the cross of Christ. They are forgiven reshaped, transformed by the love of God and the power of His Spirit. This is how we become wise. Single folks, many of you who desire marriage, that's a good desire. But if you are not content in Christ as a single person, you will not be content in Christ as a married person. Marriage will not fulfill the longings of your heart. Married folks, if you are in a difficult or a strange marriage, a better marriage with a better spouse is not going to fulfill the desires of your heart. Even if a better marriage is possible and desirable with a wife and a husband, who are both growing more into the spirit-enabled wisdom of the Proverbs. Wisdom is absolutely something that All of us can grow in. All people can grow in. The more days and years spent on the boat of life, you will grow in observation, in experience. So we can become more and more practically wise. But only Jesus can walk with you hand in hand to the tree of life. The place of divine wisdom that will give you eternal and flourishing life, contentment and joy. It's been said that the first Adam lost his bride at a tree in a garden, but the second Adam won his bride at a tree in the garden. It's the whole scope and story of the whole scriptures. The God man coming for his bride, but you have to want him. You have to want this divine wisdom that first requires you to walk past the trees of your own wisdom. That in faith, saying, No, no, that all leads to death. Give me life. Give me joy. Give me wisdom. Give me Jesus. May it be so of us as a people, as a church, men and women young and old, as His bride, coming to him and saying, "The one who has loved me, the one that has sought me, the one that has bought me, the one that has brought me to life in him," let us more singularly and devotedly pursue him as our wonderful and our wise groom and king, the royal son of David who brings blessing to us and to the whole world. Maybe so. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful that you have revealed wisdom from above and that you are more than willing, you are so generous to give it to us if we would but just ask. We are so thankful that you have given us your son. O triune God, God the Father that you have sent, God the Son, God the Son, that you have lived and loved for us. God the Spirit, that you have sealed and filled us. Make us wise. Help us to love you more devotedly and more singularly. Help us to care for. Love one another. Put our own deaths to desi- our own desires to death more ongoingly and regularly. Help us to become an honorable people, a diligent people, a disciplined people, not for our own sake, but for your own glory, the God of wisdom, the God of life, the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of love. Make us into these kinds of people, we pray, for Christ's sake and for our own good. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ's Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.